All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, episode 18, in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions. You are here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? I'm doing great, Andrew. Sun is shining. It's a great day. A lot of smiles out there. It's good to see. So uh, you ready to start with our special guest today? Yeah, absolutely. So today we are very excited to have special guest hockey legend Brian Prop join us today. He was selected as a first-round pick, 14th overall by the Philadelphia Flyers in 1979. He currently holds six NHL records, was a five-time All-Star, and played in five Stanley Cup finals over his 15-year career. He also played in 1,014 regular season NHL games, scoring 425 goals and racking up 1,004 points. He has played with the Philadelphia Flyers, Boston Bruins, Minnesota North Stars, and ended his NHL career with the Hartford Whalers. He is considered Canada's one of the greatest left wingers they've had. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Brian Pratt. Wow, welcome. Guffaw. Guffaw, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. So, proper, um, we'll get right into it here by backing up a little bit. You had an amazing junior career, scoring um, 168 points in only 57 games, and also capturing a league MVP as a 15-year-old with the Melville Millionaires. And then three seasons with the Brandon Wheat Kings in the WHL, where you broke records and played on a team that didn't even know what it was like to lose a game. I think your last season with them, uh, out of 72 or some odd games, you only lost five games. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, what an amazing, amazing junior career. So it doesn't... Um, uh, with all your achievement, it's no surprise that you made it in the first round uh, in 1979. We talked to a few players that have made it to the NHL, and we always like to ask this question. So making it to the NHL is a feat only select elite athletes can achieve. So you are more elite than most by making it as a first rounder. Can you tell us what does it take physically and mentally to make it to the NHL? Well, a lot of it is uh, the practice. So my dad is a Lutheran minister in, in Newdorf uh, when we, we had 300 people there. I had two brothers and two sisters that were all 13 months apart. So we had our own little hockey team. So, but my dad taught me the basics uh, at the start, how to shoot, how to uh, be a good sport and how to back check and to all the, the little things that you don't know. So it's a lot of it is practice. So in, in Saskatchewan, you know that it's uh, pretty cold in uh, January and, uh, and December and February, and uh, you skate on the ponds at the start, and that's how I got started. Uh, then when uh, it was time to freeze the ice, and then we went inside. Uh, but, uh, you, know, I, you know, just by 15, you know, it was really uh, pretty amazing for me because I couldn't drive. I had to get, ride, get rides with my parents. Uh, so like uh, I wasn't allowed to drive yet. And so it was a 20, 20 mile drive to Malville. And so, uh, and uh, but you know, at that start was really good for me because uh, Jerry James was the coach. He was ahead of the, the, the time because he played football and hockey uh, for Toronto and, uh, and uh, football. And so I got a good start that bit. But for me, it was more about the coaches that I had and the teams that I had played with. Like uh, in Brandon, I had Brad McCrimmon and Ray, Ray Allison uh, for three years, and uh, we, we, we did really well. And so, and then to turn pro, 
So for all guys that are, you want to be in the NHL uh, that year, it was uh, the one draft because uh, it, it confirmed uh, it was the world hockey association to the NHL and it merged into the, into the one league. And so you have to practice hard and uh, be you know pretty good player and uh, listen to the coaches and uh, really work really, really hard. Uh, so to, to, to make, to make it. Yeah. And I was about to ask as well, you know, for, for teenagers, especially between the ages of 15, 18, I mean, that's prime high school days. And, you know, those kids like to have friends, party, hang out or do other things high school kids do. Did you have to sacrifice a lot of those things back in the day, hanging out with friends or, I mean, did you even go to high school full-time during this time being so busy with hockey? Yeah, I did. Uh, so like I, I, I had my education and so I, I, I made sure that I was, uh, going to get to my graduate graduate and you know i always had good a good good brave names uh brave so like i got a's all the time uh but uh yeah it was uh in high school like but in saskatchewan i it was it was kind of different because it was a small little town you didn't know any better and then brandon was uh, was a little bigger but and then to go to philadelphia was a different uh, for me because i was really quiet and the first couple of years i didn't say much uh you know i just did uh, my my stick to the, the talking for me. Gotcha. So I want to jump uh, to the 87 Canada cup. So you were part of a special team in that 87 Canada cup. And for our listeners that might not know the Canada cup consisted of the following teams in a tournament, Canada, United States, Soviet union, Sweden, Czechoslovakia, and Finland. And the finals, of course, had Canada versus the Soviets, which was great. Canada won in the best of three series, all three games going to uh, six to five with two overtimes. Um, You were part of a team that included Mario Lemieux, Ray Bork, Paul Coffey, Wayne Gretzky, and many more top players. Your teammate, Larry Murphy, said that the three-game finals was the highest level at which the game has ever been played. And so what was it like to skate in that particular three-game series? Yeah, it was really different because in 87, I was the oldest player on the team at that time. And uh, But it was like the Olympics because uh, in 87, like the Russians couldn't uh, be drafted until 90. So you'd have to defect if you were uh, if you were wanted to play in the NHL. And a lot of people didn't. Uh, so uh, it was really good hockey in the 80s. Uh, we had good teams. Uh, the hockey was fast. It was uh, pretty amazing. And uh, for having a three-game three game series, it made a difference because most of these tournaments – or one game, and then you're then it's done. Uh, so that was a little special. But the series in '87 uh, was really special because we ended up winning, of course, and uh, and uh, it was uh, really highlighted in in because it was in Canada too. So uh, and the Russians were really good. It was uh, what a series it was, and I, so like I know that Larry uh, remembers that as we all do as one of the <coughs> best series uh, in hockey. So, like you said, the Soviets, uh, unless they defected, they didn't make it to the NHL, but they they did two years later. And guys like Larry Arnoff, Vitisov, they started making it uh, into the NHL. So I got two questions just concerning the Russians since we're talking about that. Many hockey documentaries today claim that these Russians that came in about 89, 90 
sort of revolutionized the game of hockey at, or at the NHL, should I say. Uh, you got people like uh, Don Cherry, who, you know, just hated the Russians and the whole, yeah, the Russians, ah, they don't, they don't know how to play. Uh, what was your take on the Russian players when they did start coming into the league? Did they make that big of a difference or is it kind of overblown? No, it was, it was, it was different because in, in Russia, they, they played to win all of the major tournaments and they practiced almost every day. And so they were in good shape, uh, but they were, uh, they uh, their skill was out of this world. And uh, in, in, the, in the 80s, you know, like we started to work up a little bit better. Uh, like we had a, in the, for the Flyers, we had a coach for physical fitness, uh, Pat Krejci, that made a big difference because like I didn't wear out, work out until I turned pro. And so you had to figure it out at that time. And it, made, it helped me because it gave me an extra five years to play. Uh, but at that time, like they were so good, uh, they were so ahead of their time uh, that uh, it, was, it was easier for the Russians because they were in good shape. And so they just had to talk about uh, the, the language that was a little more difficult for them. And just to be the, a Russian, you know, most of the players were Canadian and U.S. players at that time. So it just got started, like a couple of Swedes were there, the Finns and uh, the Russians. And, and so other than that, it was uh, a lot different uh, than like it is now. Were you ever able to talk to any of these old Soviet players? And, and if so, did they mention what it was like to play under such a, an oppressive team like the Red Army system or under the infamous coach of uh, Viktor Tikhonov? Yeah, a couple of those guys, uh, because I, I, I played with them in Russia a couple times uh, when I did uh, with Team Canada events uh, in uh, like like eight or 10 years ago and uh, the Canada Cup uh, in, uh, in, in 2008. And so like we, we played against the, all the best Russian players. But, you know, and, uh, Igor Larinov, I knew him because when I played in, in uh Switzerland for a little bit. He he talked about uh, how it was tough to to play under the coach there in, in Russia, and so you know it, it was really tough for them because uh, all they had to do was play hockey, and uh, they didn't have Friedman, Freeman, gotcha. Freeman, Freedom, Freedom. <laughs> so fast forwarding now to your first NHL game, you actually had scored your first NHL goal and it was actually you put the puck past Islanders legend Billy Smith. Do you have any, is there a moment that you remember from that first goal? I mean, that was, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. So like uh, I was on a, on a line with, uh, with Bob Clark and Reggie Leach. And so like it was, and I had an assist too. So it was, uh, I think it was, in the second period and I scored uh, top shelf uh, across uh, Bill Smith. So it was good to get a goal at the first game and, uh, you know, play with Bob Clark and Reggie Leach. And then, then I, and then after a couple of years uh, or, or 20 games or so, or so uh, Bill Barber was kind of rejoined the, that list. And then I played with uh, Linsman and Holmgren from, and then we had the 35 undefeated streak. So I remember the first game, uh, we won that and then we lost nine to two. And I was like, wow, is this what it's going to be like in NHL? Uh, because, you know, in Brandon, we didn't lose that much. And then so then we ran, uh, went on with uh, 35 without a loss as a rookie. And so uh, that uh, was, was great for me. We went to the finals. 
against the Islanders at that time. And so at that year, it was one against number 16. That's why we played against the Islanders in the finals. Right. Now, well, did Billy Smith, he didn't try to whack you with his stick or anything because <laughs> you got two points as a rookie on it, did he? Or Yeah, well, he probably he tried, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, the, the, you know the, the Flyers were, were pretty tough. And so, like, uh, you'd have to kind of watch, watch for them too. But uh, it was, you know uh, – a, a, a good good feeding for me just at the start just to to score at the first game and and I know Bill Smith because I played a couple of golf tournaments in in, in Winnipeg and uh, Harichuk, uh's events and uh, played some uh, hockey events with him and so I, I you know I get to talk with him all the time and so everybody remembers back in the day the Philadelphia Flyers I mean being such a tough and gritty team and obviously, you know, Brian, you weren't a very big guy yourself. I mean, a couple of websites have you at 5'9", some of that have you at 5'10", but you were about 180 pounds. You were always kind of a physical player, though. You had plenty of seasons of over 100 penalty minutes. In fact, you did have 12 official NHL fights. So was that something that was always part of your game? Because I, I do know, I think in Brandon, you had one season, uh, almost, I think it was 194-point season or something. You had 200 penalty minutes. Was that always part of your game, the 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 gritty player? Was that coming into Philadelphia? Yeah, that was the way I played uh, because because I played both sides of the ice, and so I was I I, I like like to play uh, defensively and offensively. So I just had to pr- pr- produce a little bit. So when in the NHL, like I only I think I only had five five penalty minutes, uh, not uh, main majors, not not twelve, but uh, but five. Uh, you know, so like uh, other than that, uh, a lot of them were uh, mis- mis- misconducts. Uh, I think when I got uh, penalties, you know, at the start in the eighties, like you you had five man brawls, and so you got uh, penalties for oh, that. Right. <laughs> uh, it's a little different now. Like if somebody touched somebody, uh, they you know they, they they don't know what to do, uh, but. Uh, uh, you know, it, yeah, I, uh, I, I liked uh, because I, uh, I, I like what Bob Clark taught me to be ready for every game and practice and practice hard and uh, always be uh, uh, up and ready and uh, be consistent. So I, I thought I was con- consistent my whole career. And, uh, and at the end, I, you know, thankfully, I, I got my thousandth g- uh, game and point in the last year, uh, month of the year, uh, which, which was really good for me. And then, uh, then I went to France for a year after that. Uh, so like I had a great career, but, uh, it's more the players and the coaches that I, I played with that really made a difference for me. And for me doing the radio for nine years, uh, after I retired and staying with the, the hockey and, you know, the last uh, four years, I was the ambassador for the Flyers, uh, every home game. And, uh, you know, that's not there anymore because of, you know, the no hockey. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, uh, I'm on the board of the Flyers alumni and uh, do a lot of work with them, their, their golf and other charities that they run. Uh, so I, I like to stay busy and, uh, and give back. Absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned Bobby Clark, but uh, who served as as mentors for you in the early part of your career well it was uh it was uh, like uh bob Callie. he 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 taught me uh how to be a good guy and uh you know and when i was young uh i lived with uh an older lady uh because her her husband died uh, my first year and so i lived uh, and with uh the older lady that was a a waiter and then uh, was one of the guys that uh, was a, did the real estate for our team. 
And so I, you know, I just uh, rented a room and you know, got some food and, and we did my, my wash. And then after that, the, the second year, I, I lived with uh, Mel Bridgman for a year, and then I then I bought my own place in Cherry Hill. And so, uh, but yeah, it was it, you know I was really quiet the first couple of years, but I there was there weren't too many um, single guys, uh, but I was single with uh, Frank Bar Bath. And so, like we hang out uh, in the, in uh, Kaminsky's in Cherry Hill every once in a while, but you know that was okay. Uh, but we didn't didn't tra uh, travel that much. I mean. Now uh, you know you just kind of stay where you are, and then and uh, and and when I first my first couple of years, I had I went to Saskatoon uh, to work on the farm because I had to work uh, to make some more money, and, uh, and then after that, after my third year, like I you know I just probably stayed back in in Philadelphia most of the time. Cool. So you're famous for the guffaw celebration guffaw. <laughs> um did you have any pre-game rituals uh superstitions that uh, you just couldn't shake no i was uh i wasn't wasn't like that i you know i just uh i just i played to have fun and uh enjoyed to have fun and uh was always uh smiling and happy happy and well, because we most of the time we play, uh, we won most of the time, so it was, <laughs> yeah. we didn't have to lose that much, which made it a lot easier. And good players and good coaches, uh, it makes it a lot easier when you when you win. And 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 I and I, I played as a team. I did. I probably gave up some other points because I played defensively too. So, uh, but you know, I don't mind that. I, I, I as long as I, I won and. You know, I was in uh, in the playoffs my first 13 years consecutively, and I pr pr produced pretty well with that too. So, as a five-time All Star, what, what was your favorite memory from the All Star game? Because I, I especially know that there's a huge difference in the All Star games back when you were an All Star, and then compared to now, especially with players always opting out now. I never saw that, so I take it it was at least a more positive experience back when you were an All Star. Well, I was a rookie in, in 1980, and uh, and we had six guys from the Flyers uh, in the, on the All Star game, and then uh, but it was in Detroit, and I remember when uh, like when they changed the the new rink, uh, so they went to the uh, Detroit, uh, the Joe Lewis was just bought or or built, and Gordy Howe was playing that year he finished his last career he was is 51 he was a year older than my dad and when when he finished uh but i'll never forget uh, the o, o, uh over uh all-star game where he 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 got at the end uh, the oven was like 15 minutes and then he deserved it and uh and i played with uh phil esposito and reggie leach and I scored a goal and had an assist. And so that was nice. But at that time, it was really, it was, it was serious. They played to win every game. So they were lower, lower scoring games. Like now it's just like, you know, people just have fun and uh, like, they don't care about what they, that's why they have the scores that score so many times. But in the eighties, it was a lot different, uh, lower scoring games. Right. So um, I'd like to play a quick lightning round questions with you. And then I'd like to leave hockey and talk a little bit about some other stuff. Um, so these questions might be fast, but you don't have to give fast answers. I just want to give you time to speak. So I'm going to mention an old NHL arena and you just talk about what your quickest memory of that arena would be. 
we'll see how it goes. Okay, yeah, like Chicago. Right, exactly. So the old Chicago Stadium. You know, it was uh, loud, and uh, the, the or organ would uh, played uh, the the anthem, and then when it, whenever he scored, like they had the loud uh, ba- ba- beezer, buzzer that scared me. Boston Garden. I mean, of course, you play with the Bruins, uh, Boston Garden. Smaller, uh, tough to play against, and uh, and in, 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 in intimidating. But but the, thankfully, I played for the Flyers, and the, the Boston was like one of the better teams too. So, Montreal Forum, uh, my favorite because of the history. I was uh, remember Montreal with their rink, and uh, just watching in Canada. Uh, all the Stanley Cups that they won, and uh, just being there was unbelievable. And 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 last Maple Leaf Garden. Yeah, that was special too because uh, in Canada you just you, you grew up in Saskatchewan, and so you watched hockey night in Canada every Saturday night, and so you just had to learn from there. But uh, it was special uh, in Canada and being for playing for Team Canada and. Uh, you know, other in the U.S. teams, uh, but Team Canada was special for me. So Very these cool. these quick questions come from us and also some listeners uh, when we announced that you were going to be our guest this week. So toughest goalie to play against? Grant Fuhrer. Okay. Uh, favorite player to play with? Mark Howe. <laughs> a, a player you never want to play against again? Uh, Knuckles. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you Which never know N- what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that's true. Which NHL arena had the worst ice conditions? Buffalo. <laughs> the old odd. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> Favorite roommate on the road? Brad McCrimmon. And finally, what was your most memorable moment in your NHL career? Just one that pops out just at you. In uh, 87 and finals, game six, I scored to tie 2-2 against Edmonton, and then we won uh, 3-2 with J.J. Donald to force a game seven. Awesome. So um, this is actually Brain Injury Awareness Month. I'm sure you know that. You are an ambassador and on the board of Bancroft Neuro Rehab Foundation. They specialize in brain injury rehabilitation and provide a comprehensive treatment for their patients. Um, and on September 3rd, 2015, you did suffer a debilitating stroke uh, while you were on vacation. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that horrible experience, if you're willing to share, and talk a little bit about your recovery and, and Bancroft? Yeah, so like uh, in September third of 2015 I was on vacation with my family and uh, I knew that I had AFib uh, but I but I had an ablation 10 years before that so after time the ablation ablation wore off so I probably was an AFib I didn't know it uh, because I was in good shape and so I, I was feeling okay the first day the second day I had a really bad headache and I actually stayed in uh, in for a little bit and then at 1.30 in the night, like uh, I fell out of bed, uh, hit the side of the uh, bed uh, and uh, lost a couple of teeth. All those years playing teeth, uh, playing hockey, I never lost any teeth. 
Uh, but thankfully, my uh, son was there and called 911 uh, pretty fast. So I was there within a half an hour. Uh, so, but I couldn't, couldn't talk, couldn't move. I couldn't, didn't, didn't know where I was going. So thankfully, I was there uh, with family. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. So everybody, I think, has a, a family member that, that does suffer a, a stroke or a TMI, or uh, I hope I said that right. My wife is a physician, so she wanted to make sure that I asked this. Um, since this is a common um, injury, what, what, what can people look out for with some signs? She figured that you'd, you'd uh, have some signs, maybe the acronym FAST or something like that to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So like a lot of speeches that I do uh, is F-A-S-T, uh, but now it's like, uh, I think it's R-E-F-A-S-T -R because now they, they changed it a little bit more. They have more acronyms, uh, but uh, I talk about my speak and then how to, how to tell the face, the arms, arms uh, the face and the how time, how, how it makes a difference for people that have strokes, uh, how they react. And to getting to the hospital fast uh, makes a big difference because uh, if you don't have a brain uh, that, that works and you're, you're kind of done. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I tell people that with Bancroft, I, I do some other events like we have an event, uh, the 25th, uh, a vir virtual event where I'm going to talk with about my speak for an hour, uh, stroke for an hour with people that are there. And I visited hospitals and I, you know, do a lot of events. I'm on their board. We have a golf tournament. We have a, a bunch of events. Like, you know, the next one is going to be in May. It's, it's, uh, it's in a wine room uh, event. And so like, yeah, I try to do whatever I can to support. And then with my Gifa cigars, every box that I sell, I give percentage back to Bancroft. Very cool. And I do want to mention that. So you've always been an avid uh, cigar connoisseur uh, your whole adult life. And you put together Gaffaw cigars with uh, uh, you have a variety of cigars and they're made in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. High quality. Tell us a little bit about those cigars. Yeah. So like uh, two and a half years ago, I went with my son uh, in the Dominican Republic, Santiago, visited a factory there just to, to learn more about them. But I've always liked a nice cigar in the golf, golf club uh, we, from the 80s on and things like that. But I did, just wanted some good ones. And so I had some connections in Cuba. And so like I, I usually had better cigars, but uh, I decided to make my own brand, the, the Gaffa brand uh, from the Dominican Republic. And so I started with 425 boxes of 10 limited edition, not numbered and little, little prize in them for, uh, you know, 140. And, uh, but, uh, and that, and then I, they're limited edition. I only have about 125 left, but they'll, they'll go pretty fast. And then I, then I started, uh, with, uh, you know, boxes of 24 and bundles of 25. And now, and then I have got a five pack, a nice variety so everyone can go online and order you know whatever they want from me and uh, and it's uh but they're i just wanted people to know that they're quality awesome. yeah and that's gaffacigars.com yes where they can get that g-u-f-f-a-w cigars 
I'm currently your Director of Strategic Relationships at Wolf Commercial Real Estate, which serves Southern New Jersey and downtown Philly and developing office, retail, and other business investment properties. Um, it seems to me that you are just a networking guru, and I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, only because obviously I have my 24-year-old son here, and uh, you know, what are your experiences there and the whole networking that you do? Yeah, just from uh, playing hockey, you know, after I retired, I, I, I started with, I built an ice rink in Medford, New Jersey for three years. And then I got the job with the Flyers for nine years. And then I went to the judge group, uh, it's a staffing company all over Canada and the US. And then, then I, the last six years, I've been working with Wolf Commercial. But, you know, I've always been doing different things, uh, trying some different things. I was my a licensed uh, uh, financial advisor, uh, uh, health and uh, wealth, and uh, you you name it. I've I've done a bunch of different things. Uh, yeah, so like you do, you always have to figure out what you need to do, and and uh, just try to do as best you can. But by having my name and and meeting a lot of other people, uh, you know, with the networking events that I go to, it just makes a difference. And usually, what I do is I take a picture of them. And uh, and put it put it in their contact, and then so I, and then with their phone number and their email. That way, I can recognize who they are again. And if you ever want to call me, it, it, your 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 picture pops out. Uh, but yeah, for it's uh, you know that's what I always good. You know, I'm always out out doing out doing, and uh, so like I did a lot of things, and you know I've got a lot of other things going on right now, and so uh, but it's all good. So you have done so much charity work. You continue to do that. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Philadelphia loves you. You're a legend there. You do so much for the community. I'm sure the fans, uh, you know, just step all over themselves to try to shake your hand and so forth. It seems like hockey players um, give a little bit more back to charity and the fans than other sports. Not that I want to you know, have you respond to that? That's just my own personal observation. But I think that's what's special. And I don't know if it's because of the uh, Canadian niceness that, you know, Americans tend to believe Canadians are much more nicer than Americans. But it just seems like hockey players give back more than any other athletes. And it seems to really come from uh, a genuine love rather than a responsibility. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people in Canada grew up in the small towns, and so they, they they learned from young on like how to give back and how to 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 be honest and and truthful, and so that's you know that's worth what I've done, you know especially uh, you know with with Wolf Commercial Real Estate we've done some uh, celebrity hockey events uh, like four of them, uh, use six former alumni split up to two teams uh, so everyone gets to play with a celebrity. And then we, you know, raise a lot of money with that. Like we raised eighty thousand, uh, the last uh, golf turn, uh, hockey event, you know, for the six charities that we support. And then we had a golf tournament that we do, or another forty thousand. So it starts adding up, you know, with the people that need the money to give back to the charities, and uh, you know, then then you go from there. Well, you certainly have our respect. Before we before we close and say thank you, is there anything that you uh, this is, uh, like I said, mainly a Boston based uh, listener base that we have. Any any last uh, minute stories or messages for any Boston fans? Because you're still even though it was a small amount of time, you uh, helped bring the Boston Bruins to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, Kenny Linsman was there with you and and uh, Poulin. 
Poulin and, uh, you know, is there anything you can kind of last minute message to the Boston fans that still yeah, hold you in very high esteem? So I, so I just joined the, the Boston alumni. And so what I've done is like, uh, like I, I'm talking with them, like, you know, like the, so if they, if, if anybody wants to be uh, like the cigars, if they want to go to my website, uh, the guffawcigars.com, I'm going to give it 13, 17% back uh, if they, if they're an alumni of Boston or Flyers or other teams. And so I give, give them a little break and, uh, but, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to that uh, because they play some hockey, uh, but this, this uh, year, like uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get there until maybe fall of next year when it might be a little better, but I'll, I'll plan on uh, playing a couple of their hockey events uh, like in the fall or next, uh, next January, or February. And you still play hockey a couple times a week, correct? Yeah, Wednesday and Friday mornings from uh, 7 to 8.30 in the morning with a group of uh, guys that I know, uh, all walks of life. But, you know, Andre Faust played, Ray Allison used to play there. And uh, so, but, you know, I, I get out there uh, you know, as much as I can. Awesome. Well, Proper, if you'd hang on, we'll say goodbye off the air. We're just going to take a break, but officially we want to thank you for coming on the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. It, it, this has been uh, a, just a, a great time for us. Yes, thank you so much, Brian. Oh, thank you. Thank you both.